0: All right, so at that point then I threw the radio in the river, and I spent about three months or so worrying. There was always a possibility that they would not treat me very kindly uh, and possibly come after me and, uh, and assassinate me.
1: Welcome to Spice Up Your Life. Hello and welcome to part two of the interview with Jack Barsky, former KGB spy, and who has written the book Deep Undercover. Last episode, Jack told us a lot about his former life in East Germany and his upbringing, and also how he was recruited by the KGB and became one of their top agents in the United States. He also told us about the life changing decisions and sacrifices and choices he had to make in order to become this spy. I want to read a line because this is actually sort of an undertitle for this uh, episode. You must come home, he whispered with a thick Russian accent as he leaned in toward me. Or else you're dead. Welcome Jack Barsky, part two. Can I jump back to 1976 when you, you you went to Moscow? But what, what, what happened in in Moscow?
0: So what happened in Moscow there was more training. But uh, you know the focus, the reason that sent me to Moscow was to uh, uh, study English with uh, with a native speaker. Uh, in Berlin, they didn't have somebody that they trusted, and and so I got a tutor, a, an American-born woman, uh, whom I met twice a week for two hours. And uh, I've read a lot. I learned uh, every word that I found that I didn't know. And I probably accumulated twice the vocabulary that an ordinary American has, Mm -hmm. which is not always a good thing because you wind up using words that nobody understands. (laughs) (laughs) But you don't know that nobody will understand these words because, you know, you haven't learned this language organically. You learn it by the book. So you don't know which which of the synonyms is actually the one you should use? Uh, and I got excellent, excellent operational training, particularly you know the you know uh, meetings, dead drop operations. So in the field and and surveillance detection, uh, I was trained by I believe one of the best they had. Two years, uh, and uh, at the end of those two years, I was considered to be as ready as uh, as I would ever be. And this. Was after a three-month uh, practice trip to Canada.
1: Was this when you became Harry Henry Van Randall?
0: I never became Henry Van Randle. Ah. I, I I wanted to be, yeah. but that didn't work because because uh, that's a that's an interesting. I got to tell you this right now because it's it's sort of in hindsight is very funny. So when I when I had my practice trip to Canada, the most important task I had was to acquire a, a copy of a birth certificate of a certain Henry Van Randall. Yeah. And we knew, they knew that Henry Van Randall had, uh, died at a young age. Uh, but that's how that was typical. And I found out afterwards that the KGB was stealing IDs of, uh, people that, uh, were not on this earth anymore. So my instructions were to just, uh, send a, a request in the mail to, uh, the, uh it's a, called the Bureau of Vital T- Statistics in the county in California and send them the processing fee and I would write in the letter, uh, my name is Henry Van Randall, my parents were born you know, all the basic information that you need for uh, this application and then I said, please uh, uh, I'm, I'm um, including the, the application fee please send me a certified copy of my birth certificate and it Now I'm waiting for this mail to come. I was in a hotel room, in a small hotel where I could intercept the mail. Uh, And so one week came and went, two weeks, three weeks. Uh, Eventually, you know, I was supposed to go on to other cities. This was in Montreal. Eventually, I gathered up the courage and called them. I called that office. Uh, And uh, I told them, hey, I'm Henry Van Randall. I'm... I was asking you for a copy of my birth certificate. What happened? And there was some hemming and hawing. And then I then I manufactured some anger. I said, "Hey, listen, you got my money. Where's my paper?" <laughs> and so they said, "Okay, okay." A week later, I get this thing. You know, I and I, you know, I see this is uh, this is addressed to Henry Van Randall at this address. I managed to uh, intercept the mail and, and, and take it up to my room and I open it, and you know, I I was happy. You know, it's success. Yes. I open it, and and I look at the paper, and it is indeed a certified copy of a birth certificate for Henry Van Randall, except it was stamped in big red letters across, deceased. <laughs> now, immediately, I'm I'm pretty fast. I'm getting things very quickly. I knew I was in trouble, because here's a dead man who's asking for a copy of his birth certificate. Ouch. Well, and, and it turned out that the uh, the Canadian police were actually like sort of looking for me. But since I traveled to a couple of other cities, I was always a step ahead of them. Otherwise, they would have caught me mm-hmm. and questioned me. Now you can speculate what would have happened. Most likely, knowing if they eventually found out that, uh, you know, I, I'm an intelligence operative, they may have tried to turn me. Okay. Wouldn't have worked in those days. I was. W- Way I had way too much loyalty still to the cause my country and the Soviet Union but uh, So and then I would have wound up in jail (laughs) Well, I managed to get past get by and go back to to Moscow and then we found a birth certificate uh, uh, for Jack Barsky who had also passed away, but the 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 department that kept those records did not cross reference a birth and death records so mm-hmm. they didn't know that barsky had passed away already
1: and, and and the identity of jack barsky was found in a cemetery in maryland wasn't it
0: that is correct uh, and and that that gravestone still exists actually i have a, a photograph of it i think it's in the book uh that somebody you know he visited that cemetery and gave me that picture
1: uh, tell me tell me how it felt when jack barsky was born do you remember or do you remember that do you, do you, you had to learn the legend, the backstory?
0: Yeah, we, we, I, I didn't learn it. I made it up. Let me tell you what I had to work with. I had to work with the, the information about the parents and where I was born and when I was born. Uh, luckily, uh, the maiden name of uh, uh, Barsky's mother was Schwartz. That's a German name. And so that that way i could explain my residual german accent yeah so as as part of the story we we decided to kill off my father when i was really young and so i grew up with my mother and we spoke a lot of german so that's an easy explanation but the other thing i had to work with uh there, there was an agent or maybe two who were wandering around in new york uh looking uh to find some schools and some neighborhoods where i could have grown up so they gave me name and address of an elementary school middle school and high school high school was a big mistake because they picked peter stuyvesant high school which is a school for the gifted uh (laughs) which you know you were recruited into because it wasn't like one of those ordinary schools the the idiot who uh I mean, i'm sorry i had i had i have very little respect for the people that uh uh worked for me because they didn't know what they what they didn't know and they made a lot of mistakes and some of those mistakes were based on sloppiness mm-hmm. and laziness
1: what what was so bad about uh, you getting um, that that uh, that high school into your legend
0: well, well now i had to figure out why i didn't graduate from this uh, wonderful high school and go on to college so you know and i had to invent You know, um, uh, chronic migraines and, uh, you know, my mother dying and me just going on and off and live in the country and work on a farm. Mm -hmm. That actually then was not a bad angle because that uh, was a good explanation for why I I was not yet in possession of a Social Security card. Mm -hmm. But the the last thing that, that they gave me was the name and address of a chemical factory... That blew up. <laughs> so, uh, so and and you know, with my degree in chemistry, I could have uh, you know, I my the cover story had me uh, work in that in that factory for a little while, and then it that just didn't exist anymore. So you couldn't if if I told people this story, nobody could have like validated whether it's true or not. Mm-hmm. That was pretty good, yeah. I mean you've got to give the guy credit so and and the rest of it I made up, and so what I did in order to uh uh to, to make to be able to remember all of this, I just took my my German friends characters, including teachers, uh and renamed them, and I took them with me oh. you understand i uh I transported a lot of uh you know Folks in my German past with me to the United States under different names. I even had uh, Rosie came with me. There's a lot of people who didn't know that they came with me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, interestingly enough, I never once had to go into any kind of detail telling my cover story, only bits and pieces and like throwaway sentences. Americans are not that curious, particularly not in New York. Yeah. So and and you asked the question, what did it feel like? It was a task. That's what I had to do. So no. I knew I had to, you know, take on a different name ID. So, you know, th- there was no emotions attached to that. Okay. I I didn't think about the fact that, you know, that this is uh, morally reprehensive to, to take on, to steal a dead boy's ID. That's terrible. You don't do that. But, you know, it was all for the cause. You know, I rationalized a lot. You know, I did bad things in service of a good cause. Yeah.
1: Okay, can, so, so, so it, it's time for jack barsky to go to uh, america to the us tell me about the trip
0: well it was a pretty <laughs> long trip it took Sort of almost three weeks. Uh, the whole idea was uh, that my arrival in the United States—if you wanted to trace back where I came from—that uh, trace would disappear. You—you wouldn't—you would not ever trace me back to Moscow. Okay. So I used three different three different false passports. I went from Moscow to to Belgrade, uh, from Belgrade to Vienna, from Vienna to uh, Rome, from Rome to Mexico City. And then I eventually went from Mexico City to Chicago where I entered the United States. As I said, three different passports, uh, two train trips uh, for which there was no trace that I ever was on that train. Uh, Planes, you would have, uh, you know, the manifest that, that says by name based on the passport who was on there. But you try to figure out where that person came from. No idea. They just... Appeared Hmm. Uh, so that is the reason that was pretty well planned with one exception Uh, They shouldn't have they shouldn't have infiltrated me through Chicago because nobody in the KGB had ever been to Chicago (laughs) They had no idea what what that city was like there was no representation There was no diplomats no trade representatives no Soviet in the city of Chicago that could uh, You know give me an idea you know what beyond the uh, the city map w- what this city is like and so first night i wound up in a hotel room in the south side and uh right in the center of the south side of chicago for your audience that was a entirely black bad neighborhood in those mm-hmm. days and it probably still not much better mm-hmm. very dangerous a lot of street crimes a lot of shootings and here i was doing Fundamentally, the only white guy with $7,000 in cash <laughs> on me and uh, and a false passport and and, and, a, and a birth certificate that that wasn't of much use as far as ID is concerned. You know, I when I know when, it, you know, I slept there one night and then when I noticed that I didn't quite fit into the neighborhood uh, without knowing exactly where I was. But I figured instinctively I had to get out of there and I made it out uh you know, I, I still am wondering what I would have done. There was no plan B. What I would have done if uh, I get uh, held up and the money is stolen or my passport is stolen, for that matter, or both, uh, there there was no plan B. Uh, if I have no money and there are no Russians in the, in town, what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> this would have been pretty bad. And at and that point, let's say if... If I get detained, I, the Russians wouldn't even have known what the heck happened to me. I would have just disappeared. Well. Okay, so, uh, so again, I got quote-unquote lucky. I, I tell pe- people who don't believe in God, I tell people that I must be Irish because I was so lucky, because I got through a number of very uh, risky situations.
1: But, but you entered uh, with the name of William Dyson.
0: Yeah, 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 there was, that was my Canadian ID uh and that's the only name i remember because i was i w- the, the situation i was like under extreme pressure uh it was you know high high tension as i was waiting in line for immigration and uh and customs uh, and and so that name is like burned into my brain i mm-hmm. won't forget it as long as i live <laughs> none of the other IDs i remember none of them and i used about a dozen of those
1: but what was your main purpose as an agent in the U.S.?
0: Well, I was trying to um, to uh, gather political intelligence. Mm-hmm. So they, they were interested in, in things like foreign policy and maybe military policy, high-level stuff. And you know, one of the reasons for that was that they were really very much interested in it. The other reason was that uh, I had uh, shown t- to them that I had very good analytical ability um, didn't work out really well because I never was in a position to, uh, to mingle with folks that were high, you know, that were at high levels that were either decision makers or were influencers. Mm-hmm. Cause my, um, I, I just didn't have a standing in society uh, to, to befriend people like that. And that had something to do with a, The plan, the plan A uh, failing. It was a great plan. It was brilliant, but it failed in execution. You know, I was supposed to acquire all the documentation that you need to be a bona fide American. That included included a passport. Uh, Once I had this genuine American passport, I could, you know, move myself to... uh, a german-speaking country let's say switzerland or austria and the the plan was for me to then um start a company and for the russians to just like dump a bunch of monies into that company they had very good experience doing that they they were spending money (laughs) i mean they clearly would have spent a ton of money to to get me situated uh and then uh then i would move back to the u.s take the money with me and and if anybody ever asked, you know, how did you make all that money? He said, well, well I, I did this this, and this in Switzerland. Okay, sounds right. And, and, and at that point, you know, I could mingle with upper class people. I could, I had, I had the cultural knowledge. I had the personality uh, to fit in. I just needed the money. Well, the problem was that the plan uh, didn't work out because in, in The execution was sloppy, and and I'm partially to blame. Uh, Just uh, to summarize this, um, the the application form had uh, a couple of questions that I answered uh, honestly, but but foolishly. Uh, What's your profession? And I wrote messenger. I was a bike messenger at the time. Now, I should have written down independent contractor because I actually worked on commission. That wouldn't have been a lie. Okay. And uh, an independent contractor can be anything. And, uh, the, and then there were a couple of questions that were uh, optional. Uh, when are you planning to travel and where are you planning to go? And they were optional. I left them blank. So hello, the agent who looked at the application, he was thinking, okay, here, here is a messenger who doesn't make any money. He doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know when he's going. What the heck does he need a passport for? So literally, and I remember that he um, he called me back to his counter and he said, uh, "Mr. Barsky, we have some some questions regarding your identity. Could you please fill out this uh, this uh, uh, additional form?" And you know, I was still optimistic. There's no problem, and I go to a desk there, sit down, and look at the paper. And the first question was, "Where did you go to high school?" <laughs> now, if I write Peter Stuyvesant according to my backstory and they check on this. There was never a Barsky and at Peter Stuyvesant at this point, I'm a sitting duck. So I knew that's the only way for me to get out of this situation in one piece is to make sure that I don't leave a trace of self in that uh, passport office. So I grabbed and they were still within reach. I don't know that they were still sitting in front of the agent. So I grabbed my application and I grabbed my documents and I ran out of there. I didn't run, but, But, you know, you know, in my mind, I was running as fast as I could Uh, and I escaped another uh, difficult, tough situation that could have easily resulted in me uh, being investigated. And uh, so plan A failed. Yeah. When I went when I went back to Moscow after two years from for like uh about five weeks of uh debriefing and some uh some vacation time um we figured we tried to figure out what next you know at this point I was a valuable asset I was an established illegal in the United States okay so I didn't get a passport but there's never there was never a trace that I ever applied uh, so passport was out of the question. We were not going to do this again. Uh, that was too risky. Okay. So now plan B was, you know, okay, so uh, get, your, make, get your high school equivalency diploma and then, you know, study something. You know, that way you can join the ranks of the professionals. So that's what I did. And uh, that took me from that moment on when that decision was made to graduation from college took four years. That means I... Pretty much, I, I went through a four-year program in three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I graduated number one. That was a dumb mistake.
1: <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. I
0: just, No, I just couldn't help myself. At the time, I was chasing after a pretty girl. She was uh, from Belize, really pretty and soft-spoken. Uh, and I still remember that where that was. We're standing in, in one of the buildings where there's the registrar's office, and she comes along, and you know we talk a little bit. I had met her in one of the lectures. We were sitting next to each other, and I, I, I proudly proclaimed, "I said, look, you know, I got all A's." And, and I was advised not to, not, not to take this kind of a load. And then I blurted out, "You know what? I just, I think I'm just going to ace the whole thing." <laughs> I shouldn't have done it if it had been a B. I, w- I wasn't. I wouldn't have been pressed to to give the graduation speech.
1: <laughs> yeah. But why were you so afraid of that? The speech.
0: Well, when the when I was, this was a a, uh, a vestige of cultural ignorance. I was called in the dean into the dean's office, and uh, you know, I sit down, and the dean says, "Congratulations, sir. great achievement." So what do you think you're going to do for your speech? And I said, what speech? Well, you're the valedictorian. You're going to have to give the speech. And I said to myself, oh, shit. (laughs) That's the last thing uh, uh, an illegal undercover agent wants to do is be a standout. And, you know, from a point of view of not being a standout and not drawing attention to yourself, but also the KGB would have absolutely, if they had found out, they they would have reprimanded me in a big way because mm. I was just violating one of the basic rules, you know, just like mingle and be, you know, be in the average, so to speak. Well, <laughs> I tried to talk my way out of it, but they cleverly sort of uh, made found a way to uh, make me say yes. So, and this was, uh, I I would pretty much guarantee that to be the truth, even though I can't prove it. But this I believe was the only time that an active Illegal Soviet agent gave a, uh, a graduation speech at a United States business college. <laughs> Funny, huh?
1: Yeah, it is. But but how how did you communicate uh, with KGB and um... uh,
0: the communication was all um, uh, not direct. There was no, there were never any meetings, never any discussions on the territory of the United States. So I received messages through shortwave. Uh, uh, uh morse code uh with double encrypted they would the messages were subject to double encryption okay and i i listened to uh their transmissions once a week and i answered back or i gave my reports through secret writings um that uh were actually sent over by regular mail to some address that knew what to do with that particular letter uh, namely, to give it to uh, a resident KGB agent, who then sent it back to to Moscow. Uh, it was very awkward. You couldn't really do much in terms of you know complex analyzing complex situations. It was you know I I was limited to two um, pages of stationery per letter and one letter per address. A month so at the most i could could send over what fits onto four pages of stationery a month that's nothing now occasionally i had some lengthy reports to uh to uh, send over and uh, and that would be 10 12 pages i would just uh, uh write them out on paper photograph the paper uh put the undeveloped cartridge in some kind of a container, and then hand it over in a what we call a dead drop operation, which is means you 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 place a container at a particular spot at a particular time where the person who uh, who is supposed to get this material knows to go and pick up the container. Uh, that that's a pretty that has to, that op- operation has to be pretty well orchestrated so that you you, you know you. You and the agent don't meet each other uh, and are not in the same space at the same time. Just in case that agent is still under surveillance, okay. And I am. Uh, I, I walk into the uh, the view of the people who are surveilling this fellow, and they make an. They make a conclusion that, that this might be an interesting person to follow as well. So, uh, but that's never happened. But that was the. The long and the short of all the communication that I had while I was in the United States now every two years uh, I took a trip back to Moscow uh pretty much never direct uh, from from New York. I would always go to another country uh, once I was in stockholm on uh, as as a stopover mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and then to Moscow and there I would spend some time for debriefing and and also some some you know, vacation time were, but um, ultimately, a lot of the stuff, a lot of this, the decisions that I had to make, they were pretty much all my own. You know, I couldn't wait for, for an answer for three weeks for a decision that needed to be made, the same day or the next day, and very often these, if I did get answers, they were useless anyway because they didn't really know much about what it's like to, to be, an American and operate. In this manner, in the city of New York, they they had visited New York. They had worked in New York, but they had always been outsiders. You know, they never got a job. No, right. (laughs) So that was the communication.
1: And the and then, uh, if I may jump, you 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 um, met Penelope, Penelope, and you had Chelsea. Tell me about that.
0: Yeah, this is another weird situation. So uh, you know, as a as a young, healthy male. Uh, and, uh, I haven't mentioned that I, I, when, when I left for the United States, I, I had reunited with Galinda and we were married and, uh, she actually had a son, uh, in, uh, born in 1982. <clears throat> but here I am now I'm an American. I live in the United States and, you know, I was looking for female company. You got to live a normal life. You can't just be like a, or like a monk that's the whole point is being you know appearing to be normal and it was normal for somebody in their early 30s to have a girlfriend so i put an ad in the paper and, and I, I, I and i and i and i got a bunch of answers and i picked out one of them we met was very pretty and she was safe you know safe means that she was she was originally from South America, from Guyana. Mm-hmm. So if I get somewhat close to her, she would not figure out that I'm not quite normal, that there are things about me that uh, that are not American. Any any American born with uh, you know, with a decent intellect would have figured this one out. So she was safe. Okay. So we dated, and then after six months, she came out with a big surprise. You know, I'm really illegal in this country. I said, what? Y- yeah, you know, I used to be a flight attendant, and one day I decided to stay here. So, you know, I I looked into the matter. I talked to a friend of hers who told me what it's like to apply uh, for citizenship, and I said, you know, I, I, we got everything. I have a birth certificate. I got a driver's license. Okay, so we got married, and we go to, uh, we apply um, for for her citizenship and immigration, and it worked. And so here's another somewhat probably rare, most likely not unique circumstance, that uh, th- this illegal made an illegal legal. <laughs> so she she was legal and I wasn't. So now the other thing is, and I was not aware of that, and I'm not blaming her for that, but it, it was was pretty uh, much a standard approach to life for young ladies co- coming out of third world countries, particularly, uh, you know, uh, the Caribbean, that they would try to get pregnant and that way hold on to a man. So she got herself pregnant. And so this is how Chelsea got born. And it's just how, you know, I, I watched this girl grow up and and. Uh, and this is the, the first child I actually saw grow up and, you know, as a as a male You don't immediately bond with a newborn, but over time I started really falling in love with her and that is the beginning of the end of my career as a spy. She actually changed my life because as I indicated before, when the KGB wanted me back uh, behind the Iron Curtain, I told him uh, that I wouldn't come They didn't know that I had uh, I had married Penelope they didn't know about the child I was certain of that because they also didn't know that I had given a speech at Madison Square Garden so they did not check on me I knew this Um, so what and so I gave them as a reason for defying their order I said I can't I can't come because I have HIV AIDS (laughs) much did the trick they believed this lie. the last thing they wanted for somebody to be in the soviet union or east germany is somebody with a highly infectious disease for which there was no treatment at the time never mind a cure so they went to my german family and told them that i had died wow. and that was the end of that uh now i didn't know any of that i found out much later uh so when when i uh when that letter was mailed and when I knew that they would have it at this point, And I knew that they had it when they stopped, uh, sending, uh, 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 uh transmissions on shortwave when my frequency went to dead. Uh-huh. That's when I knew that they got the letter. So at that point then I threw the radio in the river and, uh, and I spent about three months or so worrying about them, believing or not believing that lie. Uh if they had not believed it there would was always a possibility that they would not treat me very kindly uh, and possibly come after me and uh, and assassinate me, you know. I sort of knew that they did that to agents who defected. Uh that, that I knew. I had I was familiar with, with the famous uh Georgi Markov case who who was uh killed by somebody poking an umbrella. with a poison tip uh, into him. So so I knew, but after three months, I knew I was home free. There was no FBI chasing after me. The KGB wanted nothing to do with me. So I was going to, you know, spend the rest of my life uh, living as an American. And uh, I I wouldn't ever even try to uh, apply for a passport. So the United States is a big country. And I, you know, I was committed to, you know, my version of the American gr- Dream eventually moved to a house in the suburbs, had another child, and lived sort of happily ever after not because <laughs> the FBI nine years after I quit the KGB, the FBI finally knocked on my door, so to speak and and sa- and told me that they would like to talk with me that was a surprise
1: yeah but weren't you kind of suspecting that this is going to happen when the Eruption. No,
0: no. I was like I was like nine years. Imagine that. I mean, I forgot I had forgotten that I ever was a spy. You mm-hmm. know, you you just don't want to think about this too much. I w- I had completely taken on the persona that I stepped into, uh, that I pretended to be. I had become that person, oh. and that that is who I am today. Except, uh, you know, I I let uh, my German past back in. And it's out in the open sort of uh it's it's reconciled i'm now you know the mix of the two but fundamentally uh emotionally and intellectually i'm i'm an american now hmm. but you know i when after i moved to the suburbs i thought i would never ever uh, be involved with any organization that that, that is intelligence or counterintelligence uh, that was not to be the case because there was somebody who uh, defected uh, from Russia at the time but he, this guy had worked at the KGB archives and he had a lot of information that he took with him and uh, there was a note uh, in that material that indicated that there was a Jack Barsky who was a an illegal who lived in the northeast of the united states and that's how the fbi found me
1: wow. and that's the okay. M- mitroskin archives right
0: M- mitrokin archive Mietrushkin. correct uh that that was the biggest intelligence find that he uh that he delivered in the history of an uh, of human intelligence wow. um and um the the fbi didn't they know they knew very little about me they knew that i you know i was a well-trained agent uh because i had survived already 19 years undetected in the U.S., yeah. but they didn't know whether I was still active or, or I was a sleeper or whatever. Mm-hmm. I still had allegiances to, to Russia. They didn't know any of that. They also didn't know that I was a German national, which might have changed their approach a little bit. Uh, but anyway, they, they took over two years to investigate me.
1: And how did they find out?
0: Uh, <laughs> that's another funny situation so uh, again the investigation yielded absolutely nothing there was no indication that I was still active but I still could have been a sleeper right uh, to be woken up one day well so they bugged my house and one day I had a a, a pretty uh, hard argument with my with Penelope because she was constantly you know Complaining about everything, and I just it got on my nerves. So uh, she, it, it appeared she, she 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 acted as if I uh, was trying to like do bad things to her, <clears throat> and um, uh, I figured I, to to explain to her <clears throat> that I really was on her side. I uh, I opened up. And I told her, hey, listen, you understand? Uh, i got to tell you something. I used to be a Soviet agent, and I I took a huge risk to stay with you in Chelsea. Well, they had that on tape because the, the kitchen was bugged. So they had my confession <laughs> on tape. I didn't know that. And it also backfired because uh, she figured that, you know, if, if I'm not legal... She might get kicked out of the country, so this this was really the whole thing went south, bad decision, but you know pretty soon after they <clears throat> KT, the FBI decided to you know stop investigating and introduce themselves, and so they did and I cooperated, and everything turned out to be okay. Uh, I gave him enough useful information. And, uh, you know, I got my freedom. <clears throat> I got to keep my freedom in return, which is not unusual. People always ask me, how come you didn't go to jail? Well, you've got to ask the U.S. government. Uh, agents and ex-agents are much more valuable not in jail and cooperating. Totally normal uh, in the world of uh, intelligence everywhere.
1: You 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 were caught in um, 1997, and um, And then you were interrogated for quite some time. Uh, and is that what you mean with with the debriefing sessions? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That, call it interrogation. I, I call it debriefing because it didn't feel it was very friendly. There was no, there was no third degree. There was no uh, floodlight in my face. And uh, I did have to take a lie detector test. Yeah. Um, but other than that, it was just like. They ask a question, and me answering to the extent I could was very, very, very detailed.
1: And that was uh, done by uh, Agent Riley, right?
0: Agent Joe Riley, who is a friend of mine. I'm going to visit him again uh, a month from now. I'm going to stay at his house for like three days. He's also uh, the godfather to Trinity, my last child. That's that's another unusual situation where you know an agent or a criminal becomes. Good friends with the person who uh, led the investigation of his, in his case. Amazing. Yeah, I, 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 I have nothing to. It all happened, you know. I didn't manufacture these things. They all happened to me. Yeah. Uh, it is what it is, and it's just like a lot of oddities. Uh, speaking of oddities, I got to throw this out. There's a countryman of yours who wrote this phenomenal novel. It's about the hundred-year-old man who jumped out the window and did not return. It's one of the best books I ever read, but there are shades of me in that book. Except, you know, that book is much more grandiose <laughs> in what happened to the hero there. But it's a. And my my friend Günther uh, actually gave me that book in German because he had read it and he said, "Hey, you're going to find yourself a little bit in this book." <laughs> and he was right.
1: <laughs> well, that's a very popular Swedish book and also a very popular film the movie. I,
0: I I never saw the film. Uh, I, I don't know how you can do justice to that book because it's so phenomenal. I mean, I, this was one of the one of the quickest reads I, I ever I ever took. I mean, just like great, great fantasy.
1: Well, listen, I have one question left, and that is um, when you when I read your 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 book, and uh, uh, apart from the, the uh, computer program at MetLife that you you don't you know you, you don't tell much in the book what what you found out about other people and what you reported back to the KGB is it something you can i mean re- yeah would...
0: sure it, it's it's sort of almost uh when you look at the uh narrative in the story it's almost like a uh, some some a flower you pick up on, on on the side of the road when you're going from here to there um, okay, so I, I told you that uh, I was supposed to gather political intelligence. The most political intelligence I could ever gather because of the situation I was in was reaction of Americans, the American people to certain world events, or, you know, um, uh, my opinion on, you know, the next presidential election. That was, I believe, somewhat valuable, but not, it wasn't great intelligence. The The question... Uh, that I have in my mind as to the value of the people that I profiled that could have been targets for recruitment, that question I cannot answer mm-hmm. to myself. It was not, not ever answered to me because uh, I never got any feedback about anything that I sent them the value of this or the lack thereof, uh, because that's not the way they operated. Uh, interestingly enough, when I had access to computer records, health records of about 15 million Americans, and I told them that they were not interested. Oh. Really odd, because there were a lot of employees of the, of uh, companies that make arms, military, industrial complex, and so forth. They weren't interested.
1: But but how could those medical records be used? You said that they refused to take.
0: Well, to think about think about you got a you got a senior executives for uh, uh, like. Uh, uh, Northrop, mm-hmm. or you know, McDonnell Douglas, or somebody who produces some companies that produces weapons, and he's being treated for substance abuse. Well, <laughs> that is supposedly private, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, once you get a once you get a hold of that, you know, you can blackmail the heck out of the guy. Oh. That kind of stuff, right? Yeah. I did steal a piece of software. I doubt that it was usable because it. Requires an infrastructure that uh, is most likely uh, w- You know an organizational infrastructure that was most likely not available in uh, in the soviet union um, and uh, What I found out afterwards and they didn't tell me any of that that uh, a a large part of the value that they, they Ascribed to my existence in the u.s. Was the fact that I was here uh, There were periods during the Cold War when it was um, when it was possible that uh, diplomatic relations between the US and Russia, the Soviet Union, would be broken up, in which case, there wouldn't be too many people left mm. that they could work with, and th- those were the illegals. Okay. And uh, and this, uh, this guess that I was making was confirmed when I met a colleague of mine, uh, also East German. He studied physics. He was recruited he came to the united states as an illegal with his wife he lived not too far from where i lived at the time i lived there but we didn't know about each other and his only task was to live as an as an american okay he had no other tasks and i when i met him and he told me that i i told him you know i hate you i was under stress to deliver other <laughs> things and you just you just had the good life man So. <laughs> Uh, so that's, um, fundamentally. So you mentioned Mitrokin, Mitrokin in his book, uh, the sword and the shield, uh, where he talks about, uh, the, um, the espionage efforts of, uh, the, uh, KGB, uh, talks about Matrokin talks about three waves of illegals that, uh, they, uh, launched, uh, in the forties, uh, from the late forties on. Three waves of illegals that they launched into the United States, and every one of them was considered by objective standards a failure. So, yeah, you're talking to a failure, but I'm glad I was because, <laughs> you know, I'm glad I, I don't have to uh, repair too much damage, hopefully, that I didn't cause.
1: Okay, well, this has been a fantastic uh, moment for me, and, and I truly recommend everybody to, to read uh, your book, Deep Undercover. And I'll say and now
0: I gave everything away, man. <laughs> no. No I'll <laughs> Well only you know, two hours. You know, the book is three three hundred and sixty pages, yeah. so we just scratched the surface.
1: Yeah, we did. We did. Oh, it's, it's been fantastic. And and um I just wanna hear one say because I I saw that you were um uh, interviewed in the Swedish magazine, uh, Aftonbladet, regarding Skripal and his daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and this person says in, uh, in one of my episodes that Skripal was surveilling or, or finding out information about a strange secret factory in Salisbury, and and uh, being the double agent that he was, and the British found out that it was actually the British that uh, that poisoned Skripal with with this old uh, poison, and that the, the well,
0: all right. So so I said what I said based on what I knew at the time. And I was partially influenced by uh, my friend, Günther, who, who, as a chemist, he uh, and and he made a valid point. Uh, He said, how do you know that that poison came out of the Soviet Union? How do you know this? Because when we're talking about uh, the fingerprints of, of a substance, it is mostly in the contamination. It's not what the substance is, but the the small amounts of contamination. And so, regardless of what chemical you use, it it is very easy to trace it back if you have a sample that uh, that comes from the place that you suspect. Yeah. So and he and so he questioned, he questioned uh, the the whole assertion that this came from, uh, it came from. Uh, uh, the so russia and uh you know i uh, there was a lot of hullabaloo and a lot of uh sensationalism around this case i don't think i ever claimed that that the the british did this
1: no 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 no
0: you but didn't. i i i i had my doubts now in hindsight here's the thing and this is this is this is not the first time that a, a an intelligence service counterintelligence uh <laughs> has problems proving the point that they're making because if they prove it they have to give away the source that that is part of that proof so for instance, if they could prove that they they identified the fingerprints of this chemical that was used to something that came from that from that a particular uh, place hmm. in in the russia, they would have to tell the public how they got it. Out of there, and who brought it there? And at that point, you you were endangering possibly a very valuable agent. And this is what where the uh, the head of uh, I think MI5 in a rare public appearance said that that the attempt by the Russians to to do harm to Skripal is against the unwritten rules of espionage. Once you exchange somebody, it's hands off. It's over. That case is done.
1: Yeah.
0: Now, now, um, there's also speculation that Skripal did some stuff like extracurricular stuff and that might, might've, uh, you know, uh, irritated Putin yeah. or somebody in Russia. Uh, and so they decided to, you know, go after him after all, but you never know the, Russia doesn't did whatever they tell you. Uh, you you got to take it with a grain of salt. They really do not play by the uh, generally accepted uh, international rules, whether they're written down or not. So that thing, their whole case is still not proven one way or the other.
1: Okay, that's a fantastic ending. I'm so glad and pleased. Thank you very much,
0: Jack. Thank You're you very, very much. You're very, welcome. And uh, please don't forget to send me a link to, to that movie. No, i know got watch it. I will. Okay. <laughs> All right, take yeah, care cool.
1: now. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye-bye. My name is Mikael Hulin and I'm really honored that you are listening to my podcast. You can also visit us on Facebook and Instagram, and the pages Spice Up Your Life, where I will post extra material from each episode. Hope you enjoy, and until next time, thank you. Bye-bye.